0: Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name, in your might defend my cause. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and the ruthless have sought my life, those who have no regard for God. Behold, God is my helper, and is the Lord who sustains my life. Render evil to those who spy on me, and your faithfulness destroy them. I will offer you a freewill sacrifice and praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For you have rescued me from every trouble, and my eye looks down on my enemies. Amen. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 44, beginning at the first verse. The man then brought me back toward the sanctuary's outer gate that faced east, and it was closed. The Lord said to me, This gate will remain closed, it will not be opened, and no one will enter through it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered through it, therefore it will remain closed. The prince himself will sit in the gate to eat a meal before the Lord. He is to enter by way of the portico of the gate and go out the same way. Then the man brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple. I looked, and the glory of the Lord filled his temple, and I fell face down. The Lord said to me, Son of man, pay attention. Look with your eyes and listen with your ears to everything I tell you about all the statutes and laws of the Lord's temple. Take careful note of the entrance of the temple along with all the exits of the sanctuary. Say to the rebellious people, the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. I have had enough of all your detestable practices, house of Israel. When you brought in foreigners uncircumcised in both heart and flesh to occupy my sanctuary you defiled my temple while you offered my food the fat and the blood you broke my covenant by all your detestable practices you have not kept charge of my holy things but have appointed others to keep charge of my sanctuary for you this is what the lord god says no foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh may enter my sanctuary not even a foreigner who is among the israelites Surely the Levites who wandered away from me when Israel went astray and who strayed from me after their idols will bear the consequences of their iniquity. Yet they will occupy my sanctuary, serving as guards at the temple gates and ministering at the temple. They will slaughter the burnt offerings and offer sacrifices for the people and will stand before them to serve them. Because they ministered to the house of Israel before their idols and became a sinful stumbling block to them, therefore I swore an oath against them. This is the declaration of the Lord God that they would bear the consequences of their iniquity. They must not approach me to serve me as priests or come near any of my holy things or the most holy things. They will bear their disgrace in the consequence of the dest- detestable acts they committed. Yet I will make them responsible for the duties of the temple for all its work and everything done in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, luckily, we've kind of moved out of the measurement side of things right we, we've moved away from hearing all about well it was this length and this length and this many lengths and all this other stuff and now we're on to duties and privileges uh we're here we're, we're going to be having the the prince's privilege uh and levite's uh, duties and privileges um, and then uh next week we'll be dealing with the priests and then um we're going to be looking at uh The necessary portions that are going to be given, the expectations that are laid. And and pretty soon in the next month or so, we're going to be near the end of Ezekiel looking at a river that is a life-giving river. But here is an interesting uh, situation uh, in verses uh, 1 through 5 where he gets taken to the east gate. And this east gate, remember, is the gate that the glory of the Lord had left the temple way back near the beginning of Ezekiel. And now Ezekiel sees the glory of the Lord return to the temple through this this East gate, remembering also too that this temple is not built yet. This has not been built. It's never been built. Uh, It does not exist in time or history. Uh, It is not the temple of Herod or, or the uh, temple that uh, Zerubbabel or or anybody uh, rebuilds. Um, This is a, a, an imaginary thing in a way, but we've been talking about this temple as being Christ, right? Um, Christ being our temple his body uh, being the temple uh, that, that we uh, find ourselves being uh, connected to him in what he has done for us. Well, here we have the the gate, that East gate closed, which I I find interesting uh, only in the sense that uh, in a way, I wonder if Ezekiel saying, well, first the glory of the Lord is going to return to the temple and then the people will return, but they will not return in, in the way that they think. Um, and the picture for me that is set up, um, gives me a picture of everything of what Christ has done. Because you read the story of the prince and you can think of all the princes down through the ages, uh, the Kings, the princes in Israel, and they always should be pointing us to the Prince, the King of Israel, the son of David, Jesus Christ. Um, and here it says only the prince himself will sit in the gate to eat a meal before the Lord. He is enter by way of the portico of the gate and go out the same, the same way. Only, only he will be one who can uh, be allowed to be in that Eastern gate, the prince, the prince. And it makes me think of Christ, of what it is that, um, That he does, that that he he speaks to us, for instance, and he tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Correct, in in Genesis uh, eleven, and uh, then also too, though it it makes me uh, think uh, going all the way back to Hebrews again. (laughs) And I had a I had a uh, listener uh, contact me this week and said, yes, I should do a study of Hebrews, and I'm and I'm. I'm thinking about doing it. Uh, don't don't worry, Elvis. I'll, I'll I'll be thinking about doing it here. Um, but it it takes me all the way back to Hebrews again, and, and we've had these texts before. But I think they're essential texts for us to uh, understand this text here of this prince being the only one who can eat in that in that gate. This prince being the only one who can go basically near that east gate, that that east gate is, is closed and it's the prince who gets the privilege of, um, of having his presence there. Well, what do we read in Hebrews? Well, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 25. Uh, well, we'll start verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this, to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to, uh, to suffer many times since the foundation of the world, but now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. But it's here that is Christ who enters in uh, as the last high priest, the only high priest, the perfect high priest. Um, and he is Lord over even the pri- priestly things that he doesn't need to offer continual sacrifices for sin because he does this thing, this once for all time thing, this thing that doesn't need to be done again. Uh, uh, again, the, the, writer in in hebrews uh, speaks of this in chapter 10 so just the next chapter over in verses 10 11 and 12 by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all time every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time which can never take away sins But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Here he's sitting down at the right hand of God as this prince, as this king, and he is the one who is to sit in that gate where the Lord has entered. The glory of the Lord has entered. He is the one who uh, communes for us. It's uh, for me. I read this, and as I said, we're not you know we're, we're we're trying to take this and see how we apply this to our our. Our Jesus, How our Jesus comes to us in these texts, right? I I see him sitting there as sitting down at the right hand of the Father. That he is the one who intercedes for us. That he is the one who has um, done the full propitiation of our sins once for all time. That there is no need for me to go about uh, doing sacrifices again for God to try and make him pleased with me because my prince has taken care of it for me that it is that he's the one who approaches God on my behalf and says, yes, this one, Carlton, yeah, he he's mine, Father, and I, I give him to you. Well, then after this, we get into the discussion of the Levites, and this is an interesting discussion because here uh, Ezekiel, um, or, or God himself, is lambasting the servants that should have been serving his people. Say to the rebellious people, the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. I've had enough of all your detestable practices, house of Israel. Uh, Saying, you aren't serving me right. That you are are doing outward devotions without inward commitment, if we want to talk about it that way. That you are um, maybe circumcised in the flesh, but your hearts are far from me. You go through all the rituals, you do all the things, and yet you like the Pharisees you are on the outside you are are clean, <laughs> but on the inside you are full of dead man's bones that that you um, have been going about uh with the privilege of being a Levite with the privilege of being my people, Israel, and yet you approach me in no desire to actually serve me you just go through the motions verse 7 when you brought in foreigners uncircumcised in both heart and flesh to occupy my sanctuary you defiled my temple while you offered my food the fat and the blood you broke my covenant by all your detestable practices the the, the picture being of if you remember back that that the temple courts were filled with places for worship of foreign gods that there were other idols that that made their way into the temple grounds that were uh you know 50 yards away or whatever you would have somebody sacrificing to yahweh but then you would have somebody sacrificing to Molech or some some other god but also to reading the um reading this text and reading the rabbinic tradition, the, the understanding of the, the Hebrew and, and where they look at it, is that we say foreigners, but it's strangers. Um, and, and the rabbis would talk about it not necessarily as Gentiles, as non-Israelites coming in there, but actually Israelites who are estranged from God, who, who have moved to worshiping a different God. Who've moved to worshipping a different person other than the one to whom they should be serving and worshipping. And talking about uncircumcised in both heart and flesh. That these are some who maybe they are uh, culturally Jewish, but they have not uh, gone along with the legal requirements of what they should be doing, which is uh, circumcised on the eighth day. For instance, they've decided that they're too cool for school when it comes to those sorts of things. I I speak to those who maybe are listening, who have never been baptized. Why? Because you're worried about some sort of commitment that you need to make to God. Baptism isn't about your commitment. It's about God's commitment to you, his covenant with you that it is uh, uh, just as circumcision was this sign of the covenant of God baptism is this uh, salvific sacrament of God that he does to you to say you are my child now you belong to me well here we have these ones who, who came in and were even given the opportunity to serve offering food sacrificed idols and even offering uh, while the temple offerings were happening he speaks about, uh, you have not kept charge of my holy things, but have appointed others to keep charge of my sanctuary for you. I wrote in my margin, uh, quitting on God, <laughs> that it is that you've decided, well, this is, I'm, I'm too important for these sorts of things. I think of uh, some uh, colleagues who uh, tend to, they, they want to be speaking at the conferences. They want to be in you know, some big church where they get to preach to thousands of people and, and that's what they long for. That is what they, they seek rather than serving God in the way that God has called them to serve where they are. That it is that nothing is ever good enough for us. Is it church? they all, We always seek after something else. We always think that we are called to some higher calling and what if what we are called to do is to be a doorkeeper in the house of God? Maybe what we're called to do is to do the custodial work at our church for free because our church can't afford a custodian and we have the time. Maybe we're retired or maybe we're not retired and we have a family. And we can say, you know what, on Saturday nights, we're going to show up at our church and we're going to clean the bathrooms and vacuum the sanctuary and um, get the fellowship hall all, all cleaned up and ready. And it might take us three or four hours that Saturday, but that is time for God's people. That is time given to God in order to uh, make it so that my church community can have a beautiful place to worship. And we might sit here and say, well, that I'm beneath that. <laughs> really? Really? You're beneath that. okay. Verse 9, this is what the Lord God says, no foreigner uncircumcised in, in heart and flesh may enter my sanctuary, not even a foreigner who is among the Israelites. Here again the rabbis talk about this as being estranged from God. Those who are uh, Israelite in name only <laughs> that, that they they are, are Israelites and yet they aren't. that they they have father and mother and they're blood relatives, and yet they've decided God isn't important to me. Yahweh is not my God. Surely the Levites, he says in verse 10, who wandered away from me when Israel went astray and who strayed from me after their idols were bare the consequences of their iniquity, saying that all the Levites who who were estranged from these things, they will not serve me in the way that they're supposed to serve me, and yet I will make them serve in a particular way. Speaking specifically, even to those who are of the Cohen class, of the, of the uh, uh, priestly class, because if I remember correctly, it's gonna be just for Zadok. That his line is where the priests are going to come from now, according to Ezekiel. So not everyone who's a descendant of Aaron who can be a priest is going to be a priest. That they're going to bear the consequences of their iniquity. And I love how God decides to make them bear these things. Yet they will occupy my sanctuary, serving as guards at the temple gates and ministering at the temple. They will slaughter the burnt offerings and other sacrifices for the people, and they will stand before them to serve them. God's saying, you know what? I'm not going to take away my covenant with you. You are a Levite. You are going to serve me, but in your service, you're going to be reminded of your sin. You're going to be reminded of the things that you should have been doing. I think of um, pastors in other church contexts, uh, in state church contexts. So in places like, let's say Germany, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, elsewhere, elsewhere, where basically they're no more than DMV workers. They're, they're uh, government employees where they've been trained to do a particular thing. But you see that the, the uh, religious life in those, those countries, uh, specifically in those state churches, is d- diminishing is going away in part because you have people serving in those positions in name only i i have colleagues that i graduated from seminary with who uh, their understanding of pastoral ministry is very different and it's probably changed for them now since they have been uh, pastors for a while now uh, but their their image of what they thought pastoral ministry was to be or the reason why they were becoming pastors some, some of them I graduated with are not pastors anymore because they went into it with the wrong motives. They thought it was a job to have an easy life, to get paid and have time off and be able to set their own schedule. Never knowing that it was a job in which they were to be committed to a group of people to love them through thick and thin Well, here God says, well, you're going to be forced to do this ministry work. And I I wish for some of those friends of mine that they would still be in pastoral ministry. I have some friends who something has changed in them as they have been in pastoral ministry. They've they've changed because the church and the ministry has changed them. And maybe that's this work that God is planning on doing with the Levites. Maybe it's a work that he's going to plan on doing with you, that he's going to change you, that he is going to... um, try and help you uh, figure out something different <laughs> for you, that, that he, is, he is going to take you and put you into a ministry situation that maybe you think you are above, so he might remind you of your pride, that he might diminish you and bring you low, so that he might turn your eyes towards Jesus and not to yourself. Verse 12, because they ministered to the house of Israel before their idols and became a sinful stumbling block to them. Therefore, I swore an oath against them. This is the declaration of the Lord God, that they would bear the consequences of their iniquity. Uh, The image I have here is that they're going to be dealing with the sacrifices, right? That there's going to be this returning remnant of Israel, that they are going to be a broken people, desiring to love God. And this is going to be speaking against those who, who turn who were supposed to be turning the people towards God. And he's going to to use even the lay people in the church to help force these religious leaders into understanding their own sin. Again, so many of my colleagues have been transformed by the ministry of lay people to them, by the ministry of what it is that these lay people do in their, in their lives, these dedicated, loving people who actually go out of their way to love their pastor through thick and thin, because it's the pastor that God has sent them and has helped their pastor to grow in faith and love. I wonder if that might be you, church. I, w- I wonder if, if um, you are someone who should be called to upholding and loving and caring for Uh, your pastor in a way that others will not I wonder if that is something that is necessary for you to do Then finally they must not approach me to serve me as priests or come near any of my holy things or the most holy things they will bear their disgrace and the consequences of their detestable acts they committed yet I will make them responsible for the duties of the temple for all its work and everything done in it Uh, even if they you know This idea being that God is going to to give us a mission and a calling that might be a necessary one, but it might not be the one that we want or we think we deserve because of education or experience. And I think about that even for myself. That what it is that I might think that I deserve or should have in my own ministry where. What is it that God has, has, has been laying before me that my, my own sins, my own failings, my own stupidity, uh, what is it that God is laying before me to help me realize <laughs> that I, none of this is deserved. My ministry is not something that I deserve, that it is actually something that, uh, I, I need, um, God's mercy. To be with me as I do this, to for Him to guide me and to love me through it. Things to be thinking about this week, Church. Next week, like I said we'll be looking at the duties of the priest, the privileges of the priest. Let's see what is changing there, um, and and some of the difficulties of some of the of the passages there. But let us pray. Everlasting God, you give strength to the weak and power to the faint. Make us agents of your healing and wholeness, that your good news may be made known to the ends of your creation through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, church, prayers go with you this week. Continue to share this. We are growing immensely over these last few weeks in downloads and listens. Uh, But go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.